Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Have you ever found that being in nature helps with your inspiration? This week's guest, author Michelle Adshead, certainly has. Her first children's book is about the Appalachian Trail and covers everything from its incredible sights to proper trail etiquette. In this week's episode, we discuss her process in creating the book, as well as advice for creatives just starting out. We also talk about the importance of taking a step back when overwhelmed, and what it's like to eat a half gallon of ice cream in one sitting. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, Michelle. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. So congratulations on your new book. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So Folly and Molly Take on the Appalachian Trail is a rhyming book for kids ages three to seven. And basically, it's a modern day through hike um, of twin foxes who hike the entire length of the Appalachian Trail. When did the idea of writing a children's book first come to your mind? When did you decide you wanted to set out and take on that kind of challenge? In particular, like this is my first book. And it was kind of a story I always wanted to share because i love the Appalachian Trail. And then when my nephew was born, he's actually just turned three now. But when he was born, um, shortly after I went on a backpacking trip on Shandoah National Park and kind of thought, I really want to share this with him and have him understand the love that I have for the trail and for nature and hiking and backpacking in general. I kind of thought about how I wanted to have a children's book for a modern day through hike because it's kind of something that I wish I knew about before I graduated high school and college. Um, So I wanted to kind of spark that interest in my nephew and other kids. So that's when I kind of realized I wanted to do it, but I didn't really put it into action until 2020 when we went into lockdown and I actually had time to really set working on the book. Before that, I had kind of had some notes and like a little notebook in my you know, physical notebook and notes in my phone with just little bits and pieces of the story, but kind of no real direction. So I also like national parks, but you might have to help me and some audience members out. I actually have no idea what a through hike is. Can you explain that? Yeah. So it's when somebody goes and travels, you know, backpacks the entire length of a trail for the Appalachian Trail, which is on the East Coast from Georgia to Maine and where my story takes place. It's over 2,000 miles. It changes slightly each year, but it takes about four to six or seven months for someone to, to finish. Wow. So it's not just like a, you know, a little hike through the woods. This, the through hike is like a big, long journey is basically the difference. 
Exactly. It's like a huge adventure. People plan for years to save up money to go on it. Um, so I actually haven't through hiked before. The book is kind of also like my love letter to the Appalachian Trail because I volunteer on the Appalachian Trail to help maintain it. And I've gone on backpacking trips. But right now I don't have plans to through hike. So the book was almost like my way of living vicariously through through hikers and kind of writing that, like I said, love letter to the Appalachian Trail to until I can actually fulfill that dream. Did you talk to different people who have done that? And how did their perspectives influence how you wrote? So yeah, so I did a lot of research. I think I probably watched almost every YouTube video and read every blog and book about through hiking the Appalachian Trail kind of before I started writing the book. And then I did kind of talk to a couple people through Instagram and had them read the book before I put it to print just to think, you know, is there anything I'm missing? Is everything in order? Which was just an anxiety for me because it is a real place and a real trip. You know, you don't want to mess up the order of the states or a particular landmark. And did you take some of your experience from being in nature in general and weave that into the story as well? Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely, I think anyone who's backpacked or done significant camping, people call hiking and backpacking level two fun, where it's kind of sometimes in the moment, it's not super fun. You might have like a breakdown on trail, but it's fun when you look back. So there's times in the book where the characters are talking about how difficult it is and they don't know if they can finish. But when you look back, you just think what a wonderful adventure it was. And I think all of us creatives can relate to that in terms of getting through a huge project and seeing it through to the end. It's not as easy as someone might think when they first start out. Did you have any experience while creating the book where you related to that part of the character? Yeah, for sure. I think that especially when you're doing you know, self-publishing, there's stuff that as much as I liked writing and illustrating the book, there's some of the paperwork aspects and registering as like an LLC, things that I didn't really necessarily want to do, but you kind of have to do um, if you're going that route. Whereas the other aspects of the book were more creative and fun and more of an outlet for me. There are sometimes where formatting certain things and making sure you got um, everything in the right aspect and copywritten and all this kind of stuff that could be a little more mundane. So kind of getting through that was like a huge relief. And it looks like there's an extra challenge for someone in your position. So you're writing an illustrated children's book that has full color pages. So when someone's self-publishing KDP or Ingram Spark or something like this, and they're doing everything themselves, the printing can be printed on demand because it's printing black and white. For a book like yours, it's printing in full color. From my understanding, you went to, you got everything printed uh, ahead of time instead of on demand, I'm assuming to save costs. But what was that experience like where, uh, you know, you see most indie authors getting on demand printing, but you had to go this different route? What kind of challenges did you find there? Yeah, so it's a lot of money up front. So what I did essentially was a Kickstarter campaign, which was kind of a last minute decision for me because I was going to do printing through Ingram Sparks, but then thought, you know, I might as well just see how this Kickstarter goes and see if we can do it that way. It's a little more on me in terms of shipping and everything now that the Kickstarter has been successful. But yeah, so I basically did a Kickstarter campaign that I ran kind of to raise the funds to get all the books printed. So we got a thousand books printed from a printing company and uh, I just kind of recently got them. So that was very exciting. Those are some of the challenges about the book and you already hinted at some of the creative outlet that this provided for you and some of the joys of the book. What was your favorite part of the whole creation process? 
Oh, that's a good question. So writing it for me, because it was an outdoorsy book, a lot of the different stanzas or lines kind of came to me when I was hiking or backpacking. So that was fun just in general because I was out in nature. I do think that creativity often flows, at least for me, better when I'm in nature. And because my book is a rhyming book, kind of walking rhythmically really helped me come up with things. So I liked that for in terms of the writing process. And then for illustrating... It was just fun in general. At first, it was nerve-wracking because I've done some logos and stuff on Adobe Illustrator before, but this was the biggest project of that nature that I've done. So I kind of sketched it out in a sketchbook and then did all of my backgrounds and then later added the characters in, which was, I think, typically most people who have illustrated something would do everything all at once. But I was so nervous that I wasn't going to be able to do facial expressions or make them look like they're moving certain ways. But making the backgrounds based on places I've been or want to go was really fun and exciting for me and something I could kind of do at night when I was hanging out. Like I said, I kind of started the process during lockdown. So of course I had, you know, like everybody a lot more time on my hands. So it was just a nice way to kind of get out of those kind of COVID thoughts and do something that felt like I was being productive. So did you approach this the whole time as something that you wanted to see as a completed book or did it sort of start as a smaller project and expand into something bigger? Yeah, I kind of had it that I wanted it to be a completed book, but I was, when I first started illustrating, I basically said, you know, okay, if I hate it or if it really looks terrible, then I'm going to hire someone to do it. Especially, I guess I could have done the Kickstarter even earlier and, and gotten the funds for an illustrator, but it is a very like labor intensive project. Um, illustrating the book. So it, of course, costs a lot of money. Um, So that was something that I kind of thought about of taking, you know, handing that over to somebody else if it wasn't in the cards for me, but I ended up being happy and enjoying doing it and happy with the outcome. And did it take longer than you expected? About how long you expected? Uh, Definitely longer than I expected because like I said, the paperwork stuff is time consuming. And for me, it was the first time I've ever done anything like that. So it was a full learning process. And I had a lot of people that I would ask what they did or ask their thoughts who had been in those shoes before. For me, writing was probably quicker than I would have thought. But like I said, because it kind of came rhythmically when I was outside and also because the book is based off of the Appalachian Trail, which already exists. And it helped to kind of make its own outline, if that makes sense in terms of writing. Um, And illustrating took probably longer than I would have thought too. There are some pages that I maybe did in like 35 minutes and some that took three or four different evenings to kind of get it right. Or I would do it, hate it, scrap it and start over. And then the actual publishing side of things took way longer. But that also is kind of a side effect of COVID because printing and shipping delays have just been so massive. So I was lucky to to get my books and that they're going to be on time for the holidays for the people who have backed it and ordered it. When you mentioned that you were getting advice from different people, was there any advice that you got that you might not have expected to hear and then you found that that was some of the best advice that you had heard? Yeah, so I guess the best advice was kind of just to go for it, um, which kind of might be a broad answer to your question. But, you know, in terms of deciding if I want to do a Kickstarter, I think the most stressful part of that is being unsuccessful and you genuinely don't know because there's people who will back you who you wouldn't expect would back you and there's people you might expect who would back you who don't. So I think that was probably something that I was just like, all right, I just have to go for it and just see how it goes. You can't 
tell the future. You can't tell if it's going to be successful or not. But I had a lot of people who have done campaigns before kind of coach me on what to do and things that you might not think about that lead to a successful campaign. And now that you've personally been through the whole process, is there advice that you would give to someone who was in your shoes when you first started out? Yeah, I think that I would say probably to you can work on things consecutively. Like maybe people already have that thought in their head. But for me, I was like, okay, before I illustrate, I want to have the whole thing written and edited. And after I illustrate, then I'll move on to my Kickstarter because I was just kind of so nervous and so new to everything. But now in hindsight, if I was going to do it again, or if I had somebody who wanted to do something similar, I would say you could kind of work on all these pieces at the same time. Just because somebody's editing your work doesn't mean they're going to completely change it. It might be a couple things here and there. And for me, because it was rhyming, there was maybe a few things like maybe instead of they're eating this, they should eat this instead, just because it fits the stanza better. But it's not going to completely change your illustration. So I could have worked on those a little bit more um, consecutively. And you mentioned the rhyming before and how you found inspiration by just the rhythm of your walking and nature. Where did you find inspiration when you were creating the art for the book? Yeah, that's a good question. So some of it came from photos that I took and some of it was iconic places along the Appalachian Trail that I knew that I really wanted to include as many of those as I could. And then in terms of the characters, at first, I knew I didn't want them to be people because it's a kid's book. So I wanted kids to see themselves in it, but I didn't want to necessarily write a book where it's two young minors are hiking the Appalachian Trail by themselves. So this way parents can kind of say, um, because I decided to go with foxes, that they can tell them whatever age they are or that it's different because they're foxes. Because I knew that my sister would be mad if my nephew at six years old was going to go do a through hike solo. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then at first too, after I decided I didn't want them to be kids, I was thinking about doing them as trolls. But it was when I started sketching it and trying to draw it in Illustrator, it was difficult because the only trolls that come to mind are trolls that already exist through Disney or, and I know they're not trolls necessarily, but like the Smurfs. And I didn't want to accidentally or just outright draw somebody else's creation, of course. So foxes, I kind of thought were fun because I think sometimes they get a bad reputation as being sneaky but I think they're they're really cute and they, you know, already kind of live in the forest. So they kind of fit in with that kind of theme. And that's kind of how I decided to go with that. I was going to ask you why you first thought about the trolls. And then I thought it was interesting because you mentioned the foxes kind of have this bad reputation. And I thought, oh, that's kind of connected to the trolls, too, because you think like the troll under the bridge or whatever. <laughs> was there a connection there or was was there a different reason that you initially were thinking about trolls for the characters? You know, I don't really know. I think that's just how I initially imagined them was just like, you know, if you think of like a fairy tale taking place in the woods, it's kind of like they're like these fantastical creatures. But like I said, I just like couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't personally illustrate it the way that they should be. And every time I tried to, I was like, wait, this looks exactly like almost, I mean, not exactly. I can't draw like Disney can, but it looks like it's too much inspired by Disney's movie trolls. So then I was like, I just got to make my own kind of characters. And so then the foxes came to mind. Did they come to mind similarly? Or did you make a more decisive decision that, oh, it's I'm going to do a fox? Yeah, I thought they were cute. And I also think that so the Appalachian Trail, the nickname of the entire trail is the Green Tunnel, because it's a lot of walking through trees. There's some viewpoints, but it's not as well known for having a ton of viewpoints. So I kind of thought that the orange of the fox would really pop against the brown and the green of the trees um, that I was kind of already 
going to be woven throughout. And plus, I kind of thought their sizing made a good amount of sense. It would have been hard to do, like, for instance, squirrels. That would be like kind of very small in all of the landscape photos or something like too big, like a moose, which I do have like different size animals represented in some of the scenes because I also I did want to kind of have them represent the different people who hike the Appalachian Trail and hike in general because it doesn't matter if you uh, are in a small or large body or if you're a slow hiker or a fast hiker anybody can hike the Appalachian Trail and there's kind of examples of all of that real people who have hiked it with all different kinds of body types. You mentioned the personal experience of being out in nature and hiking the trail. Did any experiences in a different part of your life that wasn't related to nature and the Appalachian Trail find their way coming into your ideas in the book? Hmm. (laughs) I guess those two things are kind of what heavily influenced it. But I do also work and volunteer and maintain the Appalachian Trail. So I know that that's still connected. But I guess kind of like I was saying of like wanting to show children that you can do adventures different from kind of working in a nine to five or even working within a nine to five kind of job as you get older. That's something that I've always kind of challenged. And at one point after I graduated college, I kind of got a nine to five job with a lot of networking and weekend working and kind of took like had a quarter life crisis and quit and did a three month road trip across the United States just to kind of see what else is out there, different places. So that kind of inspired me to just the sense of adventure and doing something different and seeing, you know, you can have a life of adventures. What different places did you travel during that time? So I basically went south and then north and I'm from like the Philadelphia area. So I went down to Georgia and stayed. I I did something called wolfing, which is volunteering on farms and homesteads, and as well as like staying in cities. So some of the places I stayed was Savannah, Georgia, some random places in Georgia on the farm, Nashville, Tennessee, and then uh, Louisiana. And then I went to California. So I kind of got a good mix of cities and kind of uh, rural areas and met a lot of really cool people. And that was something too that I always found interesting is that you might think that people are a certain way in a certain area, but when you actually go and meet them, it really does open your mind. With the two different experiences with the city and the rural during that trip, did you find yourself continually drawn to the rural or were you more finding yourself appreciating both places just in different ways? Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, I definitely am somebody who likes to eat sushi and get coffee and go to restaurants and stuff like that. So I definitely appreciate those things in cities and looking at different things that they have and their cultures. But I do feel like the more time that I've spent in nature, the more I want to be in nature. So, you know, with some of the farms that I stayed on, there's one farm that we did a farmer's market. So it was just in like the little town, but we would go and the farmer's market was so much fun, but everybody was always like, all right, let's go back to the woods now and be in the trees. And just, it's amazing what nature kind of does to your brain and to your mind. And I definitely think that that's where I thrive. And, you know, like I said, creatively, I like being in nature and just in terms of like anxiety in general, just being outside helps. I know that like if I go hiking or camping over the weekend, then it kind of sets me up for success for my work week. And do you find yourself when you're kind of inspired in those settings, do you take that back with you or do you like to stop in the middle of that setting and like take out a notebook, for instance, and and kind of work in the area that you're being inspired by? Yeah, I definitely, especially in terms of writing my book, when I was when I would think of it kind of as we were going, and of course it ended up being tweaked. It wasn't necessarily just like 
final version came to me right away, but um, I would either kind of recite it in my head until I had a spot where I could take out my phone or a notebook and write it down, or I would take out my phone right there and kind of write it down just so I kind of almost like got it out so I could keep thinking about other things because it's almost like when I personally am like hiking or in nature and I'm trying to, you know, thinking about something creative or something I want to do, it's almost like a flood of thoughts kind of comes to me. With the writing, it sounds like it's almost similar to writing a song because of the rhyming and the verse and the rhythm that you're talking about. I think the example that I have personally to that is kind of hearing the dialogue in my head and then hearing it again until it's right. Yeah. But the way you describe it sounds like you're almost hearing like a song in a way. Yeah, I guess I would definitely say that. I mean, it's kind of funny because I've had people ask like, why did you write it in rhyme? And I think it actually would have been harder for me to write it not in rhyme just because it kind of like came to me in this almost like Dr. Susie kind of way. I mean, and I also had a really good editor who works in meter and knows all the technical terms and helped me kind of get it the stanzas that weren't just right so that they were um, when you read them kind of like a natural flow for everyone, which also was a challenge in terms of because I was writing about actual places and towns and landmarks. There was times where we had to fit in a certain word or name versus, you know, if we were making up the name of the trail or the name of the town, we could kind of choose what would, you know, if, you know, you have to do two syllables, we could have picked a two syllable town name versus if we have three syllables, we have to kind of work around the rest of the lines around that. Now your Instagram handle and your website is Adventure Stories by Michelle. The stories being plural here. <laughs> now that this particular story is out in the world, and of course, you'll be doing promotion, I'm sure, far into the future. But do you have new ideas that are starting to bubble up that you want to pursue next? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I did that kind of on purpose. I do think that I would need to kind of finagle a way to have a big chunk of time in order to do more illustrations and writing the way that I did for this particular book. But I would love to see Folly and Molly go on a road trip similar to what I did or go down Route 66, which is also something I did on my road trip. Road trip was a portion of Route 66 and or other kind of nature-based adventures. Because like I said, I think that it's nice for kids to know that you have other options. I mean, right now I do work nine to five for my own self, but and there's nothing wrong with a nine to five, but it's also nice to know that you can take time off to do different things or work in these adventures around um, what you're already doing. So I would like to kind of showcase some different things that are possible. And it's cool that you have the idea to also keep those same characters going on. Did you feel that you, by the end of the project, you were more attached to them than you, you would have expected going into it? Yeah, I do. I think that they kind of have their own little personalities and I can see myself or my friends and family in different aspects of their personalities. So when I was writing it, there's times where maybe I was like, oh no, Folly wouldn't say that. That would be Molly or vice versa. Or, or what would they do here? I Spoiler alert, but I ended the book kind of saying like, what adventures in store for us next. So I do think that they have more adventures coming and it's just kind of a matter of like getting it on pen and paper and kind of starting that process. And when you were developing the characters, did you find that that part of it was intentional? Like you were thinking about how to craft those characters or did you find they kind of flowed out of you in a way that you couldn't explain? Yeah, I think probably it was more intentional because I had certain things that I wanted to touch on within the book um, besides just, okay, they went here, they went here, they did this. I wanted, you know, to kind of showcase an injury that can happen on trail when you're mentally kind of feeling the 
the wear and tear of doing something as difficult as through hiking. And then also touching on leave no trace, which is the outdoor ethics. So, you know, not leaving trash, disposing of human and pet waste properly and different things like that to kind of get that across to kids and also show them that it is like a really big adventure and it is a big thing to take on. Yeah. And it's just hearing you describe it too. It's really cool how it's not just you're inspired by the setting, but you're also inspired by kind of the culture around it and the approach that you think is a good approach for people to consider when hiking the trail and to instill in kids. I don't know if there's a question there, but but I guess I just wanted to say that I thought it was cool. Thanks. Yeah. The hiker community, it's been amazing, like how much people have rooted me on and, you know, shared my Instagram posts or shared it with their friends, shared it on Facebook or whatever, kind of told me that they appreciate it and, you know, given me just positive feedback. And like I said, with the Kickstarter, that support was just like unwavered and people just came out of the woodwork sharing it and backing it. And it's been, it's an amazing community. And I think like anybody, when you create something like art that you share with other people, you feel like you're really sharing like a piece of your soul and piece of your heart. So to get people who give uh, positive feedback and are just so kind has been really unreal. And I, you know, I've had times where I'm like, oh, is someone going to you know, there's a particular store that they go to to do this ice cream challenge, which is like a hiker tradition. Not everyone does it, but you eat like half gallon of ice cream when you're about halfway on the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, I better just message this store that I'm including it. I don't want them to sue me. And it, it was the total opposite. They were like, that's amazing. Let us know when they're here. We'd love to sell them. Good for you. And it's just kind of been that way throughout that people have just been sharing tips on if they saw something, how they got it in stores and things of that nature. So I've just been really lucky with the community. Now, I'm also a big ice cream lover. And I think that I saw that you did this ice cream challenge as a part of like your process in the book. Was that like halfway you were done the book or halfway through the Kickstarter? Remind me when that was. I went live on Instagram and ate a half gallon of ice cream um, in honor of being halfway through my, my Kickstarter campaign, halfway funded. So I basically said, if I get halfway funded by such and such date, then I'll go live and do this. And oh my goodness, it was, I had to go to sleep right after. And because it was, I've never eaten so much ice cream, but it was fun. I think people kind of enjoyed watching it. And we had some different artists kind of pop on the live and talk about their work. And um, basically it's like a whole carton of ice cream plus a pint. So I took like lactate pills. I'm not even lactose intolerant, but I was like, I think I need this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it took me like two hours. It was, it was a lot. I, I never um, planned to do that again, but it was fun. So next time you're going to look for a, maybe a more healthy tradition for marking the halfway point of something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll donate to something or volunteer somewhere instead. <laughs> Though I'm not sure it'll be as tasty as the ice cream. Yeah, it was kind of fun, and uh, especially because I had some people who have thru-hiked or planning on thru-hike or were currently thru-hiking at that time, and they said that they watched me do that, and then they, because when I did it, I did Napoleon ice cream, and then like um, the pint was cookies and cream, so they were like, oh, I was looking to do the Napoleon because you said that the three flavors kind of helped you like break it up, you know, because <laughs> then I'm like, all right, I'm done the chocolate. I, d- I tried to do them. Um, one by one, just to kind of feel like a little bit accomplished. But I kind of forgot that I don't like strawberry ice cream until I was already <laughs> doing the challenge. Oh, did you do that one first or last? 
I think I did that one. Oh gosh, I have to look. I think I did that one last and then did the cookies and cream, or I might've kind of combined it with the chocolate just to like help get through it. Cause I was like, oh man, it's I'm sure people love it. It's just a strong flavor. So if you either like it, you probably love it. But if you don't like it, you're kind of like, oh man, I'm very aware of this. Like going through the different flavors of ice cream, did you have ways of marking your own progress when you were creating things in terms of like, oh, I've written this and now I, you know, celebrate that in some way? Or what's your process like in terms of reflecting on your own progress as you create something? Yeah, I think it's good to like celebrate the different milestones, especially if something's challenging. In terms of writing, I think maybe after I had it like written and edited, I might have, I don't remember, but I remember thinking that I might buy slippers or something, but I don't remember if I actually did that, (laughs) but just to kind of celebrate. And then when, in terms of like illustrating, I kind of had little goals of being, I think it was like every two days I wanted to have a page done. And then that kind of just averaged out because there were some that I did really quickly under an hour just because of it was a little more simple. Then there were some that took a few more days because they had more characters or they had like a certain perspective. And like I said, because this is my first time doing the illustrating kind of work that it was everything was a learning process for me. So if I want it to be like a, a, a different perspective, then I had to learn how to do it and and sometimes just scrap it all together because at one point I did try to do like a bird's eye view of the of the characters as they were hiking and so I was trying to do the tops of the trees and the tops of their heads and backpacks and it just looks so terrible I could not get it to work and so how did you figure out how to readjust and do something that you could get to work Basically, I kind of deleted that. Well, I took pictures of it, and I think I've shared them on my Instagram just to kind of show, like, it's okay to to have things not work out the way that you want. But basically, I eventually deleted that page and moved on to another page or two to kind of get some progress done, feel good about the whole process, and then think on what I wanted to do instead. Because in my sketchbook, I kind of had things a certain way. And, like, at least for me, my sketchbook is not – it doesn't look good, so – it wouldn't have looked good, even the pages that ended up working. So when I kind of decided, so I kind of just did a couple different sketches of stuff that we could do and ended up going with that instead. And I think because a lot of my book obviously takes place in the woods, there was times where, you know, I don't just want it to be, I mean, it's, it's 40 page book. So I didn't want it to be just different trees of the same scene. So kind of finding different ways to display that was a challenge in terms of illustrating. But um, I often kind of just went hiking and took different pictures of how the landscape works or tried to break it up by showing them in different locations or different scenic areas. We talked about how this idea came to you because you wanted to create something for your nephew and educate him about the trail and this through hiking. And we talked about your love for nature and all these things that kind of inspired you. So these are all things that helped inspire you for this first book. What would you say after the experience, just the process of creating, what are the things that are essential about what you liked about the experience that would push you and help inspire you to create your next book? I mean, maybe it sounds cheesy, but I think being passionate about what you're writing about is really important because like for me, before I even decide to write about the Appalachian Trail, I was always thinking about it, always reading about it and kind of researching it for fun. So it kind of went hand in hand versus like if I had to write a book about something that I don't know about and I'm not super interested in, it would be like 
pulling teeth because I'd be like, okay, now I have to read a book about this. And like, and I probably wouldn't understand it to the depth that I do, um, the Appalachian Trail. But um, so that I think is probably key in general, probably for anyone creating anything. I think you can really tell when people share a piece of something that they love, whether it's an actual place or something that they kind of came up with in their mind's eye. Um, you can tell when people care about it. So I think that for the passion is probably the most important thing for me. Well, good. And can you let people know where they can find your book? Yeah. So right now it's just on my website. I'm kind of delaying putting it on Amazon just because I'm trying to do more shopping, small kind of stuff. But it's on my website, which is Adventure Stories by Michelle. Com, and Michelle is with two L's. Um, or you can find it through my Instagram, which is at Adventure Stories by Michelle. I also have a Facebook group, which is Appalachian Trail Parents Group. And you don't have to be a parent to be in it. It's just um, basically a group of people who want to get kids involved in the Appalachian Trail. So for me, I don't have kids, but I do have my nephew and now my niece. And I really want to pass on how we can get them involved in liking the trail. Not everyone who is obsessed with the trail, lives as close to the trail as I do, which is within an hour and a half. So, you know, just talking about the history of it and sharing things like that. So we kind of share different ideas for that in that group. So if anyone wants to join there. And this is all reminding me of maybe one more question that would be fun. You mentioned all these places that you're researching for the book. What would you say is the top or a couple of top resources that you enjoyed reading to just learn about the trail? So I actually would say that um, reading people's memoirs who have through hiked was probably the number one um, or watching videos. But for me, I think reading it really helped. There's a couple that I really loved. Um, one is The Unlikely Through Hiker and another was AWOL on the Trail. And those two um, are also audiobooks as well, but they kind of help putting an outline together and, and feeling how somebody who actually has through hiked Appalachian Trail, it kind of puts you in their shoes of their thoughts and the people they meet and the hardships and the high points. Well, great. Thanks again, Michelle. It was great talking with you. And I, I appreciate you sharing those resources with us and, and your story about Folly and Molly. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. Visit adventurestoriesbymichelle.com for more information about Michelle and to purchase her book. We'll have links in the show notes, including direct links to her Facebook page and Instagram. You can also follow Cause of Craft on Instagram for the latest news and updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those two simple things really help the show grow. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.